Hey there, this is your host V. I'll be representing Creative Block at WonderCon 2023. If you want to hang out, talk everything animation, and get a free Creative Block button, come and say hi at table B25 in the Artist Alley. So see you on March 24, 5, 6 in Anaheim for WonderCon 2023. See ya! Welcome to Creative Block. We're your host, V. And Sean, a.k.a. Lord Spew. We interview people in creative industries about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam. We ask people on Twitter if they had specific topics they wanted us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. Today we have with us Mikey Heller. Tell us who you are and what you do. Uh, my name is Mikey Heller, and I'm a cartoonist and a writer. Uh, and I write specifically for animation. I uh, It's really fun because I first knew you through your comics, and I found out afterwards that you worked in animation. So it's really interesting to see how comics and animation like really intersect. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to take us all the way back to kind of like, like, as a kid, did you kind of always know you wanted to do comics, cartoons, or was it something that you stumbled on like a little bit later in life? Uh, no, I think comics and cartoons have been a main interest since I was a little kid. And I always knew I wanted my career to be centered around that in some way. And did you kind of like, did you kind of like um, pursue it early in school? Like, did you like go like take these like art classes in high school no or... not not really i took a lot of art classes in high school and i was going to go to school for animation but then last second decided to study video production instead oh uh, interesting yeah i don't really i just uh, i think it was just a question of what school seemed like the most doable uh the most affordable and i thought well let's do video production what uh, um what college I went to Ithaca College. Uh, what state? That's up in upstate New York. Nice. Or central New York. And uh, yeah, I went there. I studied video production. And I didn't really study much art or writing. I just took a lot of production classes because um, I figured this will be how I can get a job. Because even with writing, I didn't know, like, you can't go to the writing factory and work in the mailroom. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I just thought, I'll study video production, I'll I'll work in that field, and hopefully one day I'll magically get the job I want. That's funny because you're a writer now, and you're, you studied video production, and yeah. um, so you've been more interested in the writing side of things rather than the art side of things or for you were these like always like tied together like these two sides? um they were always kind of tied together so even in college even though i was in a video production program mm -hmm. i was on my own pretty much focusing on uh cartooning comics or uh i used to perform a lot of comedy and just doing my own thing so school was the program itself became very tertiary in my life and i was still mostly spending all my time how is on my little projects how has comedy um uh influenced your writing process i'm sure that there's some 
similarities or some influences in between there? Um, I don't really know how it's influenced because I, it certainly helps create, you know, add or create a sensibility of sense of humor. Mm -hmm. But when I think of how I write now, it's very story first. And to me, things like the jokes are, you know, you can replace those forever. It's all about if the story works. So that's my, my most, um, that's the most important priority for me. Uh, but so I think comedy just helped me shape uh, a style of humor and sensibility, which I don't even think about that much because I think it's just an inherent style. I'm not really thinking like, is this a joke I would write? Oh, interesting. So yeah, you're just like, is this funny? And then you just yeah, like, yeah. if it's funny to me, I just move on. But I, I really rely on that just being instinctual. I don't think too hard about it. That's funny because I feel like sometimes you have like some comedy buffs that are like very like formulaic, like this is how you do your yeah. setup and this is how you mm-hmm. do your punchline and da da da. Did you ever take any like comedy classes? No, like, I, I, or... no I, I'm a little anti-comedy school. I don't think it's something that can <laughs> or should be taught. Really? Interesting. Uh, Let's hear about that well, philosophy. I, I, uh, I mean, I'm sure I'm... I'll take it back because there's plenty of great people who are in this field. But uh, yeah, I think a lot of things involving comedy performance is something you learn mostly from doing and not from listening to someone tell you how they do it. Um, There's a lot to learn from hearing anyone's process. I used to devour podcast after podcast of just comedians talking about their approach, their experience. And that's very helpful, but nothing's more helpful than just doing it. That's kind of, yeah, so that's kind of a sort of like, almost like that was kind of like your school a little bit, like listening to these podcasts. What's your, yeah. what were your favorites? What are Oh, the- just any podcast where some comedian would talk too long about <laughs> and really glorify themselves. <laughs> it was, a, this is like maybe 10 or 15 years ago. And it was, that was the heyday of that time. Those people love that stuff. But I, and I think it's good to, to absorb and learn and take classes, but um I think it can get dangerous when you're you're being like someone's telling you this is how it's done. I think that's always a dangerous philosophy to adopt. Well, I like danger. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. If you can go in and if just... you want to walk on the wild yeah. side, take some comedy classes. <laughs> yeah. Very true. <laughs> I love it. That's so, uh, yeah, that's, but I mean, it is true. That's why there's like, I don't know, like, like a school of thought, I guess. That's where that kind of comes from, right? It's like, if you want to do this kind of comedy and like kind of fit in that mold, yes, take these classes, I guess. But if you're, if you want to be more of a creator, like a more of like a little bit of like a, uh, like have your personal sensibility i think it's always kind of hard to find yourself right to find your own like absolutely there's there's it's so hard to find your own voice or identity especially when people are telling you what it should be or you're you're seeing how other people are doing it around you i think this applies to every creative field like pressure to adhere or fit to a mold right especially because especially because this industry is like so um like it like it's an industry right we like create a product for a like an audience right so it can be really easy to be like okay uh how do i not lose myself in there in that uh i don't know i say that but do you feel that way when you write for like cartoons versus like then for yourself um not really i don't know i i'm very much like 
Well, when you write professionally, you do need to just, you are a hired hand and you need to write into the voice of the show, even if it's not your own. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I feel very lucky on on Bears is I feel like a lot of people who worked on Bears got to help shape the show and mm-hmm. the way things were uh, kind of constructed in terms of the crew is everyone had their chance to put their fingerprints on the tone of the show. So I, I felt very at home writing stories for the Bears. I liked I liked doing it, felt like stories I would tell myself. So I got lucky in that way. And, um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to go back a little bit just to kind of so you went to school for video production were you uh like doing a lot of stand-up comedy at the same time you said like school didn't take up as much time so uh what was your life like a little bit at that time I yeah I would go to school (laughs) I mean this is just one of those typical college experiences in America where you just sort of go to school because you're told to yeah and you just take the classes that you're told to take um so I was in a video production program that was totally fine and 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 I enjoyed it but I was way more passionate about um just putting on little shows in or around campus and drawing a web comic and that's where all of my real energy went to and that was very important you know it was a good uh Ithaca College was a great place to kind of form adult you that's what I got out of it I think I like that that way you're saying this like like shape your adult self um in college because it's kind of like that moment when you're like a little bit more independent and stuff yeah um do you after you finished college what was like what was your life like did you like get a job soon was it a job in animation what kind uh, of no i <laughs> i had a bunch of random jobs i had no idea what i was doing I, so i'm from rochester new york which is not too far from ithaca um, and I, I went back home with my degree in television and radio production. Oh, radio uh, production too, huh? Yeah, a little bit. Just did some audio classes and then suddenly it's also my degree. Uh, <laughs> and I tell you, I don't know anything. I just, it's just on there. <laughs> that's just what it was called. So I go back home to Rochester where there's only so many jobs. So I had a lot of, uh, very odd jobs here or there. I worked at a salad uh, store (laughs) (laughs) and I chopped salads for a while. I had a job where I was, uh, going to people's houses and asking who they were voting for. So I got yelled at a lot. That was Uh, tough. I worked at a, I was a, an assistant for two wedding DJs and I would just write wedding DJ schedules. Um, but the job I had the longest was, oh, sorry. No, no, no. I was just going to say, did getting yelled at by strangers help uh you on stage at all <laughs> like well i mean like no. they, these people are m- way meaner than me on the to me on the street when i try to you know get them to sign up for something or whatever <laughs> no, no not no. really i mean i i personally find public speaking super easy um it's easier than you just talking to one person that's that's what i was mm, okay oh yeah all right yeah that makes sense because you because you you're not like um the interaction is not as intimate in a sense right it is it is completely controlled if you're doing it right you know if you go on stage it's a essentially a one-sided interaction doesn't have to be people talk but but even those are controlled experiences the person on stage is guiding and knows what they want to do with the conversation Mm. Um, 
So it's, to me, it's easy. You know, you don't. There's nothing to be nervous about. Um, and yeah. so yeah, I was I was doing all these odd jobs, and I was performing um, in Rochester or around it with my friends. And I and then I started. I was a PA at a PBS station, WXXI Rochester. I did that for about a year, um, and that was a great job, one of my favorite jobs I ever had. And after a year of just doing all these crazy, <laughs> of all these random jobs and like wondering how, what to do with my life, I moved to New York uh, to just do more cartooning and more performing. And I had I had a job there just working for this this guy's website. I helped run it. And I still wanted to work in animation, but I still didn't know how to do that. <laughs> it is it is hard, especially when yeah. you don't you know, when you don't have that much information out there, especially yeah, for I TV. I, right? Yeah, I didn't and I, I studied television, so I, I knew about video like I knew how I could be a PA or coordinator or something, but that's mm -hmm. not what I really wanted to do. Um, and then I was drawing web comics and posting them. I had been doing that since college. And while I was in New York, I got reached out to by Daniel Chong, really creator so cool. of We Bear Bears, mm -hmm. saying he liked my comics. They're starting production on the show and wanted to see if I wanted to try writing. And he's like, do you have any interest in this? And I said, yes, actually, it's my main interest. I, I feel like this is it, it's a running theme at um, Cartoon Network, especially because regular show did that a lot, too. They they approached Absolutely. a lot of comic artists, especially for um, either storyboard driven shows or shows with a lot of um, uh, gags that uh, need to be tied closely to writing. Um, but I haven't I hadn't ever really seen that at other places was this a strange thing to you? Were you like, what? What? Like, I've never even heard of this no, kind of thing. Or I, had you heard about that? I had I had heard of this. You know, <laughs> I had seen regular show and Adventure Time pulling web comics people oh. or indie comics people. So you were like, now and it's my time. Yes. <laughs> I I thought, hey, this. I guess that's how it's gonna happen. That's awesome. It's gonna happen from the comics. Um, and I just gave it a shot. I had no idea what I was doing. I look at some of the old stuff that I would send in. And I'm I'm just appalled at how amateurish it is. But Daniel really took a chance on me. And after like a summer and fall of freelancing, he offered me a full-time job. So I packed up and I moved to LA and I became a writer. And that was eight years ago. That is so cool though. You know, I feel like, you know what's funny too? Like um, I got a test for we bear bears uh oh wow so like reached out um i was i was not in the states yet but i i was not the right fit for this okay. <laughs> i was i'm way too nickelodeon for bears uh. you know what i mean oh <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> yeah that was so funny but um yeah yeah yeah. i took the test twice for that show too for wow. bears, but yeah okay. i'm not not the right not the right fit. <laughs> uh, that's really, that's really cool. I love that story. And um, I wanted to ask you, how often did you up, um, update your webcomic? Because it's something that I kind of hear a little bit when I look at like, you know, um, like kind of big, big name webcomics people, they're like, oh, you have to update like very regular, like have like a, yeah. a, a regular schedule. What was your schedule like? 
Uh, I had my webcomic was called Time Travel, and it's essentially just my Instagram now, but this was back when you had a website and people would <laughs> go to the website to hang out there for a while. And um, it's just gag comics. And I didn't I didn't have a regular schedule. I would try to at least post once or twice a week, but I was not I didn't have like, you know, every every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday or whatever at the top of the page. But right. it was also, this was maybe 2010 to 2013, mm. where comics would really blow up on Tumblr or uh, earlier, like, stumble upon or dig or something. <laughs> so even though I wasn't posting regularly, uh, comics would just kind of spread out. And this is just kind of still happens, but that was the start of that, I think. And I used to joke the last place people would see my comics was probably my website. And <laughs> it's uh, so true though, so, right? I feel yeah. like, oh, man, yeah, social media really cuz it's funny you're talking about Tumblr cuz um I mean, I'm sure everybody who's listening right now like we're still kind of in like are we still are we still doing yeah. Twitter now? Where where yeah. is the platform? um instagram's hard like the algorithm is uh, yes. really slow um i'm just gonna say it uh i think tiktok is where it's at everyone okay just, like, there's the slideshow comics are doing really really well i TikTok saw now. i just saw yeah. the slideshow thing yeah um yeah i think uh i think that is gonna be big and but it's crazy because at the time it was it was a little bit it like we weren't changing platform i don't know yeah, back when we had websites. <laughs> I miss websites, and I'm sure it'll just keep changing into uh, uh, another version of itself, and we just keep having to adapt. But yeah, uh, it was it was a fun, wild thing where you would just release something out into the world, and it would spawn off to every possible outlet because um, everyone had their little place they would check on stuff. So I assume that's how. Daniel and Cartoon Network people saw my comics, which they just stumbled on something somewhere. Yeah, so sure. yeah. Tumblr was really big. I remember, I remember yeah. seeing a lot of comics on Tumblr, um, like uh, um, Maddie Sharafian. Uh, she oh was yeah, on, yeah. She was on Bears at the beginning. Yeah, right? absolutely. Right when I started. Yeah, she was, yeah. She was maybe the, one of the first people ever hired on that show whoa yeah her stuff's awesome and and she drew these like really cute comics with the rabbits and now yeah, she has yeah her style cute... really shaped the visual tone of the show i think at, at initially yeah it's that's so really good. cool uh well you know let's kind of so you started as a a writer a freelance writer that's right and then you yeah. became in the house what was the difference what was it like being a freelance writer and then uh it was very different i think the show had just started so i think daniel was even learning like how do you freelance a writer exactly because i i was doing all sorts of things I, initially i was i was shown uh, the pilot and a, a few storyboards because that's all they had at the time and he said pitch some episode ideas mm. and i pitched a few and he said you, uh, write an outline of this and it wasn't even like quite the premise he fashioned a new one that was much better mm. and I wrote the outline for that one then sometimes he would send me sort of a 
paragraph or, or a, a page of notes for an episode they want to write, and I would then write the outline of that, mm-hmm. or fix an outline, or I, I even boarded a short once. Um, also, and you also did some boards, huh? That's kind of cool. I mean, it's it's one short, and you can tell I boarded it because it's two shots. Then <laughs> 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 at the computer, and then the computer. That's how. That's all you need. Please don't make me draw more. <laughs> um, and so there's, and essentially this was my testing and and learning. This was mm. over, you know, a, a good chunk of months, and. I think he felt comfortable hiring me because I had a history with the show at that point as the first season was was getting going. Mm. Uh, but when I first showed up for my first day, I realized I have no idea how to <laughs> how to write on a show, how to be part of a crew, how to break story with other people. It was a whole process. And not only that, but the show itself was in its first season. So it was also learning as well. So you were obviously and... you were obviously already uh, strong at writing jokes through comics, and I mean probably yeah. a little bit of habit builds up through um, stand up. What was your process like learning how to uh, write the story for at least for that show? I mean I don't know if you already had a strong story grasp before that. But I'm sure that that was probably a yeah. Hurdle. I I thought I did and realized I did not. <laughs> I certainly had seen a lot of movies and thought for some reason that meant I knew how movies worked. But I think I needed to see how it's done and participate. Uh, I wasn't even after like a full year did I feel comfortable. Like I okay, I think I do know how to do this job, and it was purely through practice and and being in meetings and seeing other people just do it and seeing other people do it different ways, just knowing that there's always going to be a different approach. Um, so just through practice, I figured how to uh, have story structure in my brain and the best way to lay out a story, et cetera. But it took all, it, it was a bit of a learning curve for sure. What would you say looking back where the things that, um, you like really had to learn what was the things that you were like you felt like you were struggling with and and uh what would what would these things be I think there was a there was things for me individually and I think there was still the show itself was learning how to write a We Bear Bear story yeah and I think the first lesson was to be super open up top and I'm sure we were doing that but I think we, we used to write these outlines that were very detailed, overly detailed. They were really long. <laughs> they were like, and I think the idea was like, oh, we'll have it all down. So it's it'll be easier for everyone later. And it turns out the opposite happens. Oh, you're uh, saying how um, how does that make it harder to have something? Uh, too many details, too much gets, if someone read a really detailed outline, you know, for a 6 to 11 animated show, that's like an 11 minute show. An outline should be like, three preferably less pages mm-hmm. if it's more than that that means there's too much information and if someone new read it they're not going to see the story they're just going to get a lot of details oh, should be so as clear as possible what each beat is for and if you keep it to that information that information alone it should be a, a pretty easy to read short document and i think it took us a while to realize that we thought oh if we take care of a lot of details now and add a lot in it'll that's even better but 
it took us a, a while to learn. No, 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 should be short and sweet. And then that'll allow for stuff to change in a good, in an additive sense rather than having to fix problems later. Was We Bear Bears um, a storyboard driven show or uh, scripted? We Bear Bears was storyboard driven and then We Baby Bears is scripted. So I wanted to ask you as a writer, what it was like for because a lot of writers don't have that experience of um sharing that writing process with uh the artists and i'm sure yeah. i'm sure there's probably some writers that feel some type of way about it too i was just curious about yeah. what your feelings are about that form of um making a show in general uh i you know i love uh I either like I'm I'm not I don't think either is better than the other. I think whatever serves the show and the crew, I'm sure there's always going to be one option that's best. But I really loved writing outlines for board artists and I think I was lucky on Bears because the board artists would be very involved in the writing or they'd be sitting in on meetings or we'd pitch things before we even wrote them down. So everyone would get a chance to like be familiar or have their say or or put their stamp on something before it got to them. And that would probably make things easier for like changing things for the better in the boards. And and I loved writing something and seeing how essentially someone would make it come to life and make it way better or simpler. <laughs> I, I was not possessive with the writing at all. I've heard stories about writers kind of being at odds with board artists on shows. And I just mm -hmm. don't understand why that should happen because you are sharing the same job yeah I, they are your fellow writers you should treat them that way yeah i think it yeah there's hmm i was this is a very long uh oh, <laughs> discussion yeah. to have i think it's really interesting i love i love kind of like thinking about what's kind of makes like a board driven show versus a script driven shows i've i've mostly worked on script driven so mm. uh that's kind of where um uh i think it i think for my from my perspective it all depends on schedule i feel yeah. like if you have the schedule that can allow for a board driven show yeah hell yeah but it, i think sometimes studios are trying to be like hey let's just get it like yeah. see if we can squeeze on all the work and then that's kind of when it like i think like there could be moments when like there's a little bit of like um yeah tension because then it's yeah. like ah oh, nobody has time and yeah and it becomes like really crazy absolutely that's really fun though I'm like I, it's really interesting that you you did both and I was gonna um, I was gonna ask how big is the writer's room in when you were on Bears when it was support driven uh let's see so it would be me and one other writer full time. Um, and occasionally we would bring someone in on like a temporary or part-time, uh, stint, but it was usually just two, two of us. And oh, yeah, that's not much. That's not much at all. Yeah. But we would have our writing meetings with, um, the showrunner, the director and the creative director. Mm. And then often we would have, we would pull other people into the meetings, uh, board artists or revisionists, um, so our meetings felt like full writers meetings, but the we there was only two of us ever typing anything. Right. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that's really that's kind of interesting because I feel like writers' rooms, like like actual writers' rooms, are pretty yeah. uh, rare. A lot of people. In animation. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, on when I was on Loud House, we did like there was a writer's room and the scripts that came out were like super solid because they right. had like uh, I think it was between six. Wow. Six to eight <laughs> writers. Yeah. Six yeah. Writers. Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. 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 I was. And, I, and I'm like, because I think I think uh, don't quote me on this, like everyone, but I think it's the more Disney approach where like they yeah. actually have writer's room where like like it's like live action but instead yeah. of yeah writing live action they write cartoons and yeah. the scripts that come out are like so like tight um nice yeah uh, I, I like the intimacy of a small team but then you do start to feel uh the weight of the workload yes the weight of the workload <laughs> yeah. so on, <laughs> on yeah on bears we you know we just got one more person so there's three of us and on baby bears i should say and we would freelance when needed. Um, and I think we we figured that out and that worked for us. Um, but you could always use more writers. Yeah, right. I feel like it's kind of interesting because when I was on Thundercats Roar, we also didn't have a writer's Right, room. I heard about that. It was just the um, uh, Marley, who we had on the show previously, um, who was a head writer and uh, co-producer. And uh, and Joan Ford, who right. she was the script is that script editor? Is that the I always forget the story term. editor. Story editor, that's what it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then all the writers are freelance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there there many, was a. Oh, sorry. You no, I was just going to ask you how many freelance writers did you have on Baby? Uh, it, there was not like a regular. We would just do it when we did it. So. Mm we and some people would freelance once and not again some people would freelance a handful of times so there's just just like a handful of them but th there was a few times a few stretches on bears where i was the only writer <laughs> what what yeah that, ha that happened a few times not for too long but there's a few times where i was the one yeah i remember when i was promoted to head writer it was while i was the only writer oh what? God. and i thought that was funny because i was like all right i'm in charge of myself now because cartoon network does a lot of episodes that's that's a lot on i mean yeah you know I, because it's storyboard driven uh i'm, I'm sure it's i guess it's a, a little bit less crazy than some people might yeah, jump so to think but i know. i weirdly didn't feel like the i never felt overworked when i when that happened it wasn't for too long but we are also always ahead of schedule okay. and oh nice. that's good that's good um it is just it is we're just writing outlines and i think at i think it happened twice at both of those points whether it was for a, a month or two um we just had our process down so i never felt like panicked and, but we eventually would find someone else and grow the team. Did you uh, did you get a little stressed out though? Weirdly, uh, you know what was stressful was finding someone. Oh really? Yeah, it was. The search was stressful, not the writing. I didn't mind just popping out an outline. Like our our process was so good that when we wrote it, I just felt good about it. If we had a story that we a, a big thing that on bears wasn't so much writing a story, but deciding what story to write. Right, and yeah. I think we also learned how to do that. When to jump ship on an idea that we don't want to accidentally spend a month on. Can you talk about that yeah. a little bit? Uh, what sure. goes into thinking about uh, like what ideas worth um, taking? Because I'm, I think a lot of uh, artists, whether you're young or old, you you go you go through that that um, that decision making process. Like, oh, do I, you yeah. know, 
art already takes a long time how yeah is this I mean, good enough uh, you know? <laughs> on on the first season of bears it was very hard because it's just hard to learn how to make a show with a bunch of people also learning and of course initially daniel has ideas he has us you know a, a, a full season's worth of i want to do this some are as detailed as this is the story i want to do or some are as vague as i want them to be in this setting and, and we'll figure it out from there um but of course you try to break a story and you, you start hitting your head against the wall and you spend too much time on it you feel locked in because you gotta hand something in soon and sometimes we just have to pull the trigger on something but after our first season i think we learned when something felt like oh that's for sure something that could be very solid and oh that's something that we just don't know what that is and we should set it aside because we don't want to spend too much time and the, the also we just want to be excited about what we're writing for mm -hmm. you know if you have an idea and it excites you just keep going with that if you're tired of the idea and you're still trying to break it it's gonna yeah. be hard and not fun <laughs> yeah i yeah it's funny because i really do that a lot like just for just making comics as like like a side thing yeah. and when you start right like drawing a couple of panels and i'm sure you felt that way with bagel high right like you start like drawing these characters and you give them these little funny lines and you're like this is fun let's just kind of like yeah. keep hanging out with these dudes <laughs> yeah, yeah so it can be very hard to real you know find that group for yourself but i think we we definitely did find it on bears and then um, it got we honestly i always felt like we had too many ideas and we had to just pick or get everyone on the same wavelength about one. And then my favorite stretch is in the last couple of seasons, it felt like the show was just handing us ideas itself. You know, there'd be an episode where someone's cousin was in the episode and I just look at it and think, well, that's an episode. <laughs> oh, that's okay. That's so it just cute. felt Yeah, it definitely felt like it was just constantly generating its own ideas based on the world that everyone was building. You know, someone, a story artist would add this to an episode and feel like, well, that's, that should be a future thing we should explore. And that was my favorite when it was writing itself. That's so funny. Cause you know, like I was listening to, I think it was, I don't know, Joss Whedon or something like talking about um, writing on Buffy or whatever. And like, he's like, well, yeah. And then when you have your outline and then uh, that's the hardest part. But then when you finally can sit down and write a dialogue, that's fun because it writes itself. And I'm like, what does that even mean? I, I feel you that know? way. Yeah, I think um, the hard part is the story, but uh, the characters are strong. They do. That's what I also felt by the end of Bears. Like, they just feel like real people to me. I professionally have been in their brains for this long. <laughs> they do in my head write themselves. I know I know how they would talk. I know how they would what they would say. But that's just in the construction of the show that that everyone worked on is just a very solid base for great stories and characters. That's, that's magical. Like, I don't know. I, you know, when fictional characters come to life is, I don't know. I think that's just like, so magical and cool. Mm -hmm. Do you like have that? Did you ever feel like you had that experience before bears, like in your personal work or anything like uh... having characters that you knew that closely? No, no, not really. Because uh, I was drawing comics, but they're all kind of just gag comics or kind of comic strip type of things. There was nothing that I was sitting with for that much time. You know, mm. I was going in 40 hours a week to just think about what the bears would say. So even after one year of that, let alone eight, 
um, they just become very real in your head, mm. which you, is good. It's good. A good tool. Have you ever dreamed? Have you ever dreamed about them? <laughs> uh, I think I I think I've had work dreams where I'm just at work, okay. but no, nothing ever. Not not like they're hang, I'm hanging out with them or anything like that. That'd be cool though. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get on that lucid uh dreaming yeah a lucid dream i'll <laughs> hang out with uh, the bears oh that's so cute were you um were you able to keep doing comics as you were writing um, uh when i first started i suddenly didn't have any brain space to draw stuff for myself I mean, that makes sense yeah, yeah. so yeah, for so for years my webcomic kind of fizzled out, and I I'd upload something every once in a while, but almost never. And it wasn't until like three years ago that I started pushing and trying to draw again. And I had to reteach myself how to do it, essentially, how to do it in a way that was low pressure and fun, and that meant drawing things fast and loose and kind of purposefully bad, <laughs> and not thinking too hard about it. No, but that's a great, I think that's really great you mentioned that. I feel for like, uh, I want to talk about webcomics a little bit. Yeah, Because I do feel like webcomics are like, it's hard because you don't yeah. make money from it. No. Uh, you, I mean, I'm trying to figure that out and it's tough. I say uh, all the time, I, I wish, you know, <laughs> if, if I was my age now, 20 years ago, I'd be doing all right selling t-shirts <laughs> with my... Uh, Oh, yeah. and ad space like i i remember that era of web comics i was like man they were really making money probably not a ton but enough to pay rent just on their right their comic yeah. about guys talking about video games or something <laughs> i, I know missed, which one i missed is. my chance yeah oh i uh, yeah i know which like 10 that is <laughs> i miss i miss that era that was kind of cool it's true i feel like yeah it, it it was almost yeah yeah it was yeah it was another form of the internet um but I do feel like you said, like, because we, because you have to like keep uploading like regularly enough. Definitely. Yeah, so, there's like so, things to think about to, to be able to meet that schedule. Right. Yeah. So like, like I said, when I was, I got my opportunity at Cartoon Network through my comics that I was updating, but not every day. Mm. Um, but now because you are at the mercy of an algorithm that favors certain behaviors you have to just do that if you want eyes on it so you might get an opportunity mm -hmm. so it comes with a lot of a lot more stress that i'm not i think is not fun and and kind of sucks the the life out of it um because it feels like you are i'm at instagram studios and instagram boss yeah. is ever watching um, have you but the tr ever... trick is to make it your your uh, thing sorry what are you saying sorry for yeah, I just got excited. Um, have you ever had one of your comics like pinged by like um I don't know the basically the SNPs of Instagram because they do have a thing where it's I like, I didn't even realize a friend that's been happening to a friend of mine. Uh, his comics have been getting pulled from Instagram. I didn't know that happened. It's crazy. Like I knew yeah. it happened for all sorts of content, but it never occurred to me that it would happen for a comic strip. But no, it hasn't, which I'm surprised. A lot of my comics, are, my recent years of comics, I guess it's just people saying weird stuff. There's not a lot of weird imagery, but it's not for kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I also, yeah, I have a friend who's like, told me like, he, like, yeah, like, uh, Facebook has been tough because oh, like, there's, okay. you know, like uh, Facebook and Instagram because there's stuff like, if you yeah. get a little 
like too close to politics it can get really dicey fast Ooh, okay yeah or like i did not uh, know that um yeah because it's kind of like uh I don't know, there's stuff like also things that it, he had a comic about a, a, a plastic plant that realized that it was plastic and it was like, what what is my life amounting to? And then it like hangs itself. Oh, and no. it was like, no, you can't do that. Uh-oh. Even yeah, if it's okay. a plastic plant. Hmm. Wow. All right. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I see. <laughs> it's very specific. It's very but, like but adult that, SNPs. Yeah. Yeah. That that does like I kind of get it because it's a public space with a lot of eyes just could see it that don't want to. But yeah, you should have an outlet for whatever you weird thing you want to draw. <laughs> it's yeah. It's really it's really interesting. I mean, I guess you could still do your own website. I guess, but that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's what my my friend did. He said, "Just go to my website." Yeah, it is. It is interesting because it it should be like, oh, then if you don't like that, don't click on that and like it and follow them. <laughs> like it yeah. should be but as simple as that. Work. But that no, it's totally not <laughs> how things work. I have had many many cartoons and like full animations taken down <laughs> from wow. yeah because your stuff's pretty out there sean yeah. so <laughs> my stuff is a little more I, I do a lot of like adult comedy kind of stuff okay and, um yeah i've i've had I, at the very least like i've known a lot of the the shadow band kind of stuff like i'll post something yeah and even though it doesn't get taken off like everything i post after it gets like barely any tanked yeah, yeah. um it's frustrating but as long as it's somewhere and people can go find it it's true it's true ultimately the people who really want to see it will follow your instructions and and go check it out your active fan base will see it no no because sometimes because like the way the um um, this is now the big tech um, podcast. We are not oh, cool. talking about animation, just big tech. <laughs> no, but uh, I, because uh, uh, sometimes when you're in your shadow band, even your fans, oh, even sure. the, your followers don't see oh, it. Oh, yeah, it I have seen pushed. that. Yeah. yeah, it's like people have to literally like, like, that day think like oh i wonder like what lord spews like is up to today i have and, to like, go to his profile type out yeah, the yeah, name yeah. and yeah the profile and stuff, okay which, yeah it's pretty uh because <laughs> i got i got shadow shadow banned once because i posted too many links in my stories i i kind of oh. took a break and then um and then i came back to instagram and i was like in my stories i was like oh by the way check out this new episode of creative block and then next story uh check out this new thing i put up on my shop and then and then i think i posted like three stories with links and then instagram was like looks like a bot and then i had oh, my no. link tree in the bio and then it was just like there's too many links we can't have all too these many links, links. Oh, goodness they're a bot <laughs> it took so long to figure out links. <laughs> Because it's like, because none of none of it was like bad, yeah. so I was just like, "What did I do?" Um, yeah, but uh, um... I'd like to talk uh, just a little bit about what your personal creative process is like when it, you know, fr- from like the origin of uh, coming up with a story or a joke or like what starts with what starts first do you start with a funny idea and then expand into a story like um because i think for for uh bears or for just write it for comics maybe what if we start with comics first because that came first okay yeah Yeah. 
I think I didn't really know what my process really was when I was younger, drawing comics like 10 or 12 years ago. I would just sort of, you know, think of something I thought was funny and uh, just draw it out, scan it, color it in Photoshop. Now I think I have, I think a little more about it where my philosophy is whatever is in my brain, I should draw to release that thing. So it could be as simple as if I just watched the Jonathan Taylor Thomas Huck Finn movie <laughs> and it's in my brain, I should draw something about Jonathan Taylor Thomas. I should draw something about Huck Finn. I should draw something about uh, painting fences or something like that. Just that's whatever my preoccupation is. I try to really mind that because I think that's that'll help my brain release some gas some farts and yeah and i just yeah and some and what i really like about drawing four panel comics is um oftentimes i'll just draw a three panel comic and then i'm stuck with a fourth panel that i just have to figure something out and it can <laughs> funny reaction in the last panel <laughs> yeah funny reaction someone staring off in space or someone just sort of talking more than they should and it's really funny to me and i think the other thing i like to capture is just making it clear that I had fun thinking of the idea or half of the idea or something. I just want that lightning in a bottle. I, I couldn't draw this fast enough kind of feeling. Um, and so that's, that's kind of my process now, just kind of trying to think uh, off the top of my head and keep that energy until it's done. If I labor too long, it won't be fun and I'll think it's bad. That, yeah, that's relatable. Um, it's hard when you're yeah. like, you know, like, how do you feel, you know, how do you feel um, drawing Bagel High versus your one-off comics? Because Bagel yeah. High is like, it's serialized. So sometimes yeah, there's... there's moments where you just like, you have to get the story moving and you can't just yeah. skirt Some... around, you know? Sometimes a comic strip is just connective tissue or it's not even funny or something. Yeah, I... Started Bagel High because all my comics were just like little gag comics, just some random thing. Mm -hmm. And then during right at the start of lockdown, I just clicked in my brain. I'm just going to keep drawing this bagel, this one bagel comic. I'm just going to keep it going for a while because I no longer had any outside stimulus to inspire other comics. And it was really fun to use some story stuff I'd learned from my job and put that into my just for fun thing. Mm. So I then outlined a story, like I approached it like my job. I outlined a story and I paced out the comics that way. And uh, it was so much fun to do it that way. And the characters felt very real. They started to feel very real. And now in my head, I know how they would talk. I don't even think hard, hard about it. And, uh, but the one thing I learned, and it was the most important lesson, was my numbers, the Instagram numbers of it all plummeted. Really? I was, like, I was losing followers. The likes went way down. Um, wow. Really? But I committed to doing the story and I really, I was having a blast doing it. You know, this was a maybe 40 something part story over a yeah. month and a half. And I didn't want to stop. So I just sort of didn't Pushed try not to care. Yeah. And but the other thing I noticed was the comments went way up. Yes. Yeah. And the lesson learned was, OK, I think even if I had comics that were getting thousands and thousands of likes, 
a lot of those people aren't even following me or they saw that comic, liked it, and never looked at something I ever made again. Yeah. And then these people in the comments for this new comic, they're the people who like what I make and they like this story and they connect with it and they're waiting for the next one. And it made me realize that this hunt for the big numbers and the big follower count is sort of a farce that is yeah. we've been fed. Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard to see that that those active people who actually like what you do sometimes because so much of it is just you're just content in a feed and that's it. Dude, that's like, so I, I really admire that you were like, I, you know, I, I try to be like, you. I try to not like, think about the likes and the numbers too much, yeah, but I it's think, hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's, it's hard. There, you, you, you want know? it, you want it. It's, it's a barometer <laughs> of some kind for sure. But um, I think every time I do, I've done a few bagel high stories where I'll just do a stretch of it for about a month or so. Mm-hmm. And I always joke like time to weed out the non-believers. <laughs> <laughs> But the people who want to read this, they'll stick around and they're going to comment and they're going to read and engage Mm -hmm. and share. And it feels way better now when that happens as opposed to, you know, a comic strip going viral just because, you know, um, that particular comic spoke to people, which is nice, but they're not, they're just, they're not like attached to anything else I'm doing. Yeah. Were you going to say something, Sean? No, I was, I was just thinking about Instagram. It's like uh, uh, we've run some numbers, and uh, the tests have shown that uh, circles do not do well for the algorithm. I'm afraid that you're going to need to change away from uh, bagels to uh, maybe a different shape. Uh, turns out toast. rectangles do pretty well. Maybe a toast, uh, some sort of uh, rhombus-shaped character, if you want to spice it up. Cannoli. <laughs> I'll do something else. Anything. Whatever will appease the Instagram gods. No. Oh, it's funny because it's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, your comic yeah. has been flagged. Uh, we th- we have a uh, we the, there's an algorithm. It's insensitive that... to the gluten allergic. Uh, yeah. Uh, so our algorithm thinks that your bagels are breasts, and you've been getting <laughs> you've been uh, getting yeah, flagged well. for. <laughs> well, free the bagel. Free the bagel. Free the right. bagel. I yeah, have to draw should... bras on all my fucking bagels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll put a little, I'll, I'll blur them out. I'll draw the whole thing and pixelate it. Um, that's so crazy. And how did you, okay, so how did you, um, uh, come up with Comics O'Clock? I think it's so cool. I've never oh, yeah. heard, uh, an event like this before I became aware of Comics O'Clock and yeah. how did you come up with the idea? When did you start it? How much work is it to yeah. put every month? Comics O'Clock started uh, about almost a year ago. We started planning at least a year ago mm-hmm. and uh, I had heard about comics reading shows. I mean, they're, they're all over. Uh, there's so many still in Chicago or the Bay Area or Toronto, like every every place with cartoonists in it. And I was in New York like a year and a half ago and some really cool people um, were doing some comics reading shows and they did an open one and I showed up and, and just read some comics and it was the most fun thing I'd ever done. And this was after I had kind of stepped away from performing. So I think it scratched that itch that I missed. Um, 
And I just thought, well, LA should have this. I feel like LA, my, my thesis with the show is LA is not known as a cartoonist city, but there are so many cartoonists here. That's Between true. Between comics people, animation people, film people, there's so many amazing comic artists in this city. So I... I had, I know there have been some comic reading shows in the in a long time ago, and I just thought, well, I mean, just need a projector and a microphone. And um, once I was thinking about that, uh, Heavy Manners Library opened its first location in on Glendale Boulevard, and I talked to Matthew, who runs the space, about it, and it was a perfect fit because it's it's an alternative library specializing in zines. Um, and that's exactly the kind of place you should do a comics reading. And they opened their new location, which is in Echo Park now, and we decided to push it till that opened. And that was February of 2022. So we'll, we're going to bring it back in next February. And that will be that'll be the year anniversary, one year anniversary show. What? That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's so fun. Like It's so fun. I I, yeah. I have a blast every time. It's just, it's fun. People who come really want to be there. You can feel it. Like, they really like what this is about. They like the space. Right. They like the artists. And um, a lot of, it's just a cool ch chance to see cartoonists read their work through their voice and through their mannerisms. Yeah, I, 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 and it's like you said, it's so cool too, because like you know, so many comics artists. Uh, when I went the couple times I went, um, you always have those great, um, curated, like, panel of very different styles. So you you do have the like four panel comic, mm -hmm. uh, um, web comics type artists. Like I remember one guy had like a um kind of more hippie very like artsy he like played a little bit of music during the oh, reading sure, that was yeah. really cool and uh, and then and then you have like more illustration-y or like kind of like more like, yeah, like I, comfort comics where it's kind of like yeah i try to keep it as varied as possible so that you know i tell people they don't have to be even funny this isn't a comedy show it's a comic show so uh my comics are all very silly but I'm very excited when someone has a comic that is serious or is dramatic or a memoir or a more slice of life or um, funny in a different way. I kind of try to make sure to to have it be as, have as much variety as possible. And, you know, like, obviously Heavy Manners is, uh, if anyone who's listening is in LA and wants to check out a yes. really cool it's awesome the, library just the like... coolest place in la is heavy manners library on <laughs> in echo park it truly is they always have like good shows um yeah i know you always uh run out of tickets for comics o'clock it sells thought... it consistently sells out but i will say if, it, if you ever see a sell, sell out just try coming anyway because some people don't show up because they bought tickets ahead of time mm. we usually are able to pull it hasn't been a problem yet because I was going to say, have you ever considered like maybe uh, going to a bigger place or do you just like really love that spot and will like commit to that spot? I, I feel attached to it being at that spot. I would like to do a big show. I haven't planned it yet just because it would take a lot of a whole lot of emailing. Yeah. But I would I would like to do a big show in a large space with a lot of artists. And uh, but that would be more of a one time thing. 
but I, I really like it. I think it feels special that you're, you know, we're in the basement of an yeah. alt library yeah. in Echo Park. It feels very, um, it's very cool and punk. Yeah, it feels, yeah. It feels, yeah, yeah, feels yeah. very special and not uh, overly, it feels like this is very special to tonight and it's not happening elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I agree. I love that vibe. It's very, you know, we all get sweaty. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's great. No, it's really cool. I, you know, it's really cool that I, like I said, I had never seen like something like that before. So mm -hmm. just knowing that this is something that's happening and like, how long did you um, like plan hope to keep it running? um i don't know i haven't really thought about it i mean i like doing it so there's no reason to stop and the my list of people to have on the show is so long i have i feel like i haven't even chipped away at it nice. there's there's so many more cartoonists and there's no reason to not have people do it again if they feel like it mm. uh it's just we we just have a lot of people a lot of cool artists a lot of cool cartoonists in la um and we did the comics fair last October, which was fun. Oh, I'm so sad I missed that. Oh, it was Dude. great. Yeah. Well, it was also admit, Heavy Manners. That was at Heavy Manners. So we did it. So it was like we did the comics clock, the reading, and then the next day was the fair. So it was like a big comics weekend. And it was a weekend of a ton of familiar faces. And you, you see people, you know, a lot of cartoonists who have been on the show keep coming back to watch. And it's just kind of fun to see a little group of regulars and familiar faces kind of grow around this this one thing yeah that is so cool i you know uh, i might and, and, oh yeah uh no go ahead <laughs> uh, you, you go for it sorry sorry it's got i just remembered one more thing no 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 you go because i because i was going to go into the question uh this is the part oh, sure. of the episode where i'm like no you and you go like no you okay for you. like five minutes <laughs> okay uh well i will i will say that uh there's like other comics events happening and it's been really cool to see post you know post lockdown era pandemic uh more comics events happening you know there's permanent damage which is a fair and reading that happens at um permanent records i love that one yeah that's yeah, so and that, that that's one. been going on for a while longer than comes clock they, they just do i think they do it like two or three times a year and uh i've seen a few more happen around town there's just a fair a little mini fair pop-up at stories in echo park and uh it's so exciting I, i'm all for more events more comic stuff that people because comics is such a solitary activity you're either making it alone you're reading it alone and i think people are really hungry to be out and around others who like this thing that's very true that's very true i feel like yeah the only i guess the only difference would be like what i, I can see on the internet right now can be like if you create a community around your your comics or your art like through discord because so sean sure. i know you have a discord for like around your art mm -hmm. and they have like a discord for rodney and i think that can be kind of nice but it is all still internet it's still like yeah. fans that are like, yeah I, i'm sure everyone gets their own get something out of different versions of it but i think people just want to connect with each other somehow yeah 
I feel like our uh, comics people have to be protected because <laughs> I feel like and animators like I mean there's like a there's like a union there's like there's these shows that hire like sixty animators at a time and like uh, there are shows where there are multiple comic artists being hired but I mean there's a lot of comic artists out there that that are trying to figure it out and i can tell that they're with these events that they're trying to come together we have to protect these endangered species yeah yeah because there's that new because there is a comic syndicate that is like a big deal but that would be like if you do the sunday funnies for the newspaper but that's i feel like that is now i don't know it it feels like it is such a uh a different space than like yeah. what we do we're like the we are, we're like the web people so we're like a little bit i don't know i love the word i i it's so close to my heart but for some reason like it doesn't have the same prestige in in the eyes of uh Absolutely. you know um yeah it's kind of funny to think about um i have some questions from the patrons so oh let's hear it yeah so from uh if you support our show on patreon you can ask some uh questions on the discord and so from laura sparkles hi laura how was your experience writing for we bear bears was the work environment and the writer's room as calm and nice as the show thank you uh overall working on we bear bears rocked i loved it uh like any show it you know, there's the things that make it stressful or times where it's not as uh, carefree as you'd like to be. But I think Daniel Chong did a great job assembling a crew that connected with each other and connected with the work. And that just created a really nice time and great environment. And the writer's room was so fun. I miss it. We would sit in the, one of those... Uh, one of those windowless rooms in the studio <laughs> that if you're in for too long you start to not uh know what time is but it was full of like all these drawings from the show and we would just laugh and go down youtube rabbit holes and um i think when we figured out got into a good groove with writing the show those meetings were just pretty much really fun and just just checking in with what we're working on and then moving on and um yeah overall it was a great experience yeah, it sounded like you had like a lot of fun. And also just like when you were saying that you never felt like too crazy stressed out. I'm like, that's nice. Yeah. That's I, like how I you can tell a yeah. show is run well. And that's not, you know, I, that's only speaking my experience. I'm sure there are tons of people on the show who probably felt stressed all the time. But as a writer, <laughs> as a writer, when you're at the very beginning stage of the process, there is much less pressure. And I, I'm not speaking for all writers, but I know from my experience, we were right at the beginning. And if we did our job right, the only people who could make our job hard was ourselves. Mm. Um, so it, of course, gets stressful, but it's nothing like the stress of a designer or an, a board artist who is has a very regimented schedule that is so hard. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, 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 like shipping. I mean, sometimes, you know, you can talk to production and you're like, well give us a one day. yeah yeah it can, it can, yeah you can figure it out but. but yeah 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 i hear that but overall i i don't think i i think it was only a handful of times i think when we wrote the movie that got really stressful oh yeah what was the how was that Not, different uh so we wrote you know 100 plus episodes of of we were bears and we really like 
this is how you do it. We are a well-oiled machine. And then mm. they said, do a movie. And then suddenly we were like, well, there goes all the skills we have for writing an 11 minute episodes. Um, we have to figure out how to do this now. So it was just a whole other beast. And we felt very, I think you can kind of feel the stress of like, we have to deliver. <laughs> we have to deliver on the promise of a movie and we have to figure it out and we have to do it together. Um, and we have to make decisions. So it, it became a little less carefree because there was a lot to care about. And um, we eventually figured it out. But even when we were boarding, like we, uh, myself and my my co-writer at the time, Chris Mackay, um, we got to stay on the production while they boarded the movie, even though we were technically done writing. Mm -hmm. And that was something that... Uh, Daniel fought for and he was totally right to do it because we had to rewrite the second act of the movie <laughs> oh nice while, yeah like it, it, it I think he had you know he and a lot of people on the crew had worked on movies before so I think he just knew this is yeah. coming so we got to stay on and give thoughts and notes on boards as they were happening and help you know just give another set of eyes to those things and then eventually we had to do more rewriting and that process kind of kept changing it. You know, eventually we were even scripting parts of the movie to oh, relieve, yeah. just kind of relieve an artist of one less thing to worry about. And yeah, yeah. Uh, so that became stressful because we were once again in the deep end and not totally sure of our process anymore. But we had, we just had to figure it out. Yeah. So, so if I were to like boil it down, like the most stressful part is like when you don't know, when you don't yeah. have the structure to fall back on. Absolutely. Rather than I think, doing the work. Yeah. Because then, you know, when you're in the first season of a show, like there's that expression, like you just have to for survive the first season. Yes. And a lot yeah. of that is you, people haven't decided how it's done, you know, like how mm -hmm. every little process is done or people are being indecisive or, or slow to pull the trigger or you just don't have the experience to know exactly what's best. But once you know what the process is, and hopefully it comes sooner than later or already when you start, um, that structure makes can make things way less stressful. How, so when I get stressed, when I don't know what's going on. How, how long yeah. did it take for you to feel like you understood how to write on the show? Because I, I, I heard once that it, uh, I, I've heard once one full year because you sort of like, you go through the yeah. process and then you also see how the episodes turn out once they air. Yeah. Because sometimes That's you feel like you need that. How do you feel about that? That's absolutely, I, I feel like it took me one full year to feel like I I knew what I was doing. Wow. So you were a little stressed out during one year. Yeah, I would say <laughs> during that first year, I was stressed out. And it was mostly just me on my own. Like I, yeah. I also had just moved to a big city yeah. on my own. And um, I was homesick and uh, just life was a little stressful. So um, yeah, I was a little bit on my own for a bit, but then... Once things are falling into place, it that's that at least stressful thing was was gone. Yeah, that's that's great. I I actually think this is like such a uh, like insightful um, take to say like when when you don't know what's going on, it's stressful because that's how I felt. Yeah. On shows where I didn't know like kind of what was expected or like even on the art side of things, right? Like I'm like, what, what are we, when I'm like, what are we doing? I'm just yeah. oh, panicked. Cause um, you don't know, like, am I wasting my time? Is this all work for nothing? Like, 
yeah you might accidentally work super hard on something that is yeah just uh uncertainty does not do well in a production at any stage yeah <laughs> it should be very certain you should get to rely on the certainty of others uh and if it's not there that's when things get stressful that's one thing at least um we have another question from a patron um it's something that we've kind of covered like talking about before but you know let's hear the like boiled down version uh of that question uh so from Bialin's Bear how does writing what how does your writing process change from writing on your own in the webcomic versus leading a writer's room in the tv show uh yeah it's very it's different because one is purely for me and one is in service of uh a bunch of other people but I I think I kind of mentioned this where when I was doing Bagel High, my process was more influenced by what I had been doing at work uh, for the first time. And that changed for me. So sometimes when I have a more you know, long form kind of thing, a longer comic or, or something I'm writing on my own, I just try to manage myself like I'm the head writer of me. <laughs> and I just try to do it like my I'm my own little and that that helps because it's it's something to rely on and I don't feel lost you hand yourself a slip that says I'm fired yeah I'm fired yeah I know I, I, I reprimand myself I tell oh. myself to work late no pay yeah yeah <laughs> but uh you're not getting so, yeah, that I, time it, yeah it's probably gone the other way where where my professional life influenced how I manage myself. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't do anything because I, without that structure, I just kind of procrastinate and don't make choices. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 so easy to just get stuck there where you're just like, ah, I'll do it tomorrow. Like, yeah. oh, this isn't good enough. I might I might as well just not do it. And it's like, yeah, no, 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 you got to like do a thing, or else it's never you know gonna exist. Yeah um so from uh from our um uh at bird with socks underscore on twitter hi guys may i ask in the in the industry do writers collaborate with storyboard artists much what things do story artists do with your script that you guys love and don't love hey hey no good question mm -hmm. uh yeah i think i've heard for every show it's different um so on the show on We Bear Bears, we tried to have the writers and the board artists to have a lot of communication and be around each other a lot and have the artists privy to, or even pitch what's gonna be written next. And then that was harder to replicate on We Baby Bears, which was scripted because we went remote. Oh, that's and true, yeah. That really made it hard, but we did want to tell, like we tried to reiterate a handful of times that I'm more concerned if we write something that the board artists don't want to draw because there's mm -hmm. always something easier. One example I remember, and I'm glad this artist brought it up, but in a meeting we had like a crossbow and we may have done a few crossbows at this point just because it's we can't do guns, so we do crossbow. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And they said, why, why the crossbow? Does it have to be a crossbow? And we were like, no, why? And they said, well, they're hard to draw, a lot of lines. <laughs> <laughs> And we were, of course, like, it never needs to be a crossbow, and we changed to something else. And I'm all for artists speaking out against something, because those, there's nothing should ever be, like, married. As long as the beat of the story remains the same, they should feel licensed to change something. 
Does it have to be three bears? Um, <laughs> yeah, you can if you need it. I if don't you have want to, to kill Panda, it's fine. It's okay. <laughs> you can put a little name tag on one of them and just say, I'm two bears on there. Two bears in a trench coat? Just draw one bear in yeah. a trench coat and just say you that just they're all there? You just want to draw them as three circles with no details. That's fine. We get it. <laughs> no, um, but it's funny that you mentioned that because I remember um hearing that on uh and you can talk about this one because you worked on regular show but I, I remember hearing that regular show sometimes we'd ship some panels that were just like some lines <laughs> on the <laughs> like it was very like you like, get it <laughs> artistic <laughs> but i don't know maybe that was in the early oh season, so yeah from so, someone that was in production so um regular show we storyboarded on paper so i think that there was a there's probably a few times when uh storyboards may not have been as do you mean just storyboards weren't as clean as yeah it was like yeah. super tight yeah i think i think they had um i think they had a layout department on that though so i think there was a little bit more um oh, okay. to, to cat mm. to catch it i think that they had people that uh would uh, layout fix How it I a little bit <laughs> but yeah i i definitely there were definitely a few boards where i look back at those boards and i'm like hey the 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 writing i think we did is pretty funny but the boards are are pretty minimal <laughs> or at least for me <laughs> i was just like rushing through to try to just because i mean that's that's what happens essentially when you're like like every time you pitch the boards you're rewriting all the dialogue like after the pitch as well as redrawing the panels bigger especially you know especially on paper so yeah mm. the, it just overall there felt like there wasn't a whole lot of drawing time but uh <laughs> that was also the case on bears right uh mikey like the, you guys would kind of like re-polish the dialogue with every like uh pitch pitching passes yeah, we uh, if we saw, you know, it was based on anyone's schedule, but often if we were ever in a pitch meeting for whatever week, you know, we could suggest things here or there, or, or sometimes we'd do a punch-up pass meeting. I think that was something maybe we only did for the movie, but, uh, and then we would get the recording scripts and try to um, either punch up dialogue, but I wasn't a fan. I I mostly would just try to make lines shorter or easier for the recording's sake. Mm. Um, so the actors could get through it quicker or easier or have one other option, an alt for the animatic, just in case something was a better option. Um, but uh, yeah, there's there's always going to be passes at, at the dialogue, whether it was something just the board artists did themselves or sometimes... Uh, Daniel or well, would do it or we would do it just to make things usually make things simpler yeah but yeah yeah yeah. oh you had meant a line of dialogue I thought I thought that you meant just a line drawn on the board sorry I, I got confused <laughs> you had meant that like it just said like line here that's what you had meant like underneath the boards Oh no no no! I meant for I meant no yeah sorry I my brain just went all over the place but no when I was talking to you Sean I was talking about the drawings okay you guys were talking about like hard things to draw so it was like sometimes you know like <laughs> you yeah, know yeah, yeah. I don't know that was where it made sense in my brain dude there, um, there's been so many you times answered it correctly <laughs> there, there's been so many times when I've wished that 
uh, the writers and the storyboard artists could communicate on a show. Like I I've had, uh, I've had to do uh, a fight scene in a crowded bar where, where they, you know, it was insisted that there was like a whole crowd full of people and the one character's in a wheelchair and wheelchairs are hard me? to draw to. And like, okay. just like we everything. Love to do oh, that. Like, I feel like adult often has these like, let's do an orgy or like a big party or like there it's a speech given in front of the whole school and it's like come on <laughs> yeah dude it's hard it's hard sorry yeah. sorry to derail things i just it yeah, clicked yeah. in my mind no, that when you had said line that could have meant a line of dialogue or a, a line drawn so. <laughs> but it's true that i feel like having that uh bridge that communication between the writers and the artists is so invaluable because there was a moment on Thundercats Roar when I I started boarding on an episode and I was like, I we do have that launch um, where we kind of try to clarify intentions and stuff. But as I was really like digging into the episode, I was like, I'm not sure what we're trying to say with this mm -hmm. episode. And fortunately, Marley just happened to like walk by and he was like, how are you doing? I was like, man, I just, I'm not sure what we were doing here and I was just and like we kind of like hashed it out and just like having that like 10-15 minute conversation I was just like oh now I know how to stage this because I know what we're trying to say and I can have all of the characters act and be positioned in a way that will um highlight that theme or like these wants and goals and like and it's yeah just to say that yeah having board artists and writers talking is really freaking they should great. talk but I've, I've heard yeah. of shows where there is absolutely zero communication or even tension yep. between the two camps yeah. and i always think that is that's such a loss for both because yeah there's uh, some studios both a valued resource yeah like where it's kind of like you know like oh you know um they like i think i think the philosophy sometimes is like um people do their jobs so it's like a little bit like more separated and I guess cleaner in the hierarchy in a sense and maybe that's like a way for like production to feel a little bit more like confident mm -hmm. in as into like who does what because it it's true that like if you have all the departments talking and production isn't aware then it can get like a little stressful because it's like I don't I don't know I don't have the email with that conversation you sure. know so I could I could understand that side if you know trying to play the devil's advocate that's uh my hobby uh that's this one is a funny question i really i think it's <laughs> uh because i'm pretty sure i know the answer but uh from l draws and stuff have you ever read the wee bear bear original comics oh yeah i've read those they're really cute i remember they're, there's not that yeah, many but, of them right no no i think it's funny uh yeah there's just there's i don't know like five or six pages of <laughs> of just these comics daniel drew and posted on tumblr yeah so <laughs> yes a... i've seen them <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny question though. and they're not they're not canon so don't worry <laughs> uh and you know now's the um we're gonna hit you with the hard question uh oh yeah let's hear it creative block have you experienced it if yes, what does it feel like? And um, how do you, um, you know, deal with it? Um, I'll be honest, I don't have creative block very often. 
maybe for a single comic strip. Um, especially there, there's a period of two years where I was just drawing one every day. Some days I just didn't have an idea. And the way I dealt with it was I would just have to accept that, oh, I would tell myself this doesn't have to be good. And then I draw something that was bad. And sometimes the thing I drew, I still liked. Um, so relieving the pressure, because sometimes it's less having an idea and wanting to have a good idea. And especially in writing, you just need to write, start making a bad thing, and then either that's the thing you made or work on making the bad thing less bad. Now, is that your same I process like for um, working on something like We Bear Bears? If you're trying to think of an, a good idea for an episode or a joke or whatever for, it is? Yeah, for now, for uh, for like bears or baby bears. Um, I, I really, yeah, there wasn't any shortage of ideas. It's just, you could think of anything and um, that was never a problem, but but for writing a script, I tend to just write the worst draft possible really fast. Mm. And then I just work a long time on making that good because otherwise I'll never type if I'm trying to make it good right off the bat. I think that's, I honestly think that's one of the best writing advice I've ever heard. Like yeah. the Minder has also had a very similar answer, which I really loved. It's like, just, it's like the vomit draft, right? It's just like, yeah. no, she actually, I think what was really fun when, in what she said was like, I try to make it bad on purpose. Yeah, I, like... <laughs> I, there's these drafts of baby bear scripts where they're like, they're like swearing at each other and saying weird shit and... <laughs> Um, it's just because I need to like okay release the scripts. Release the scripts. <laughs> yeah, but also it makes it fun. It makes it like okay, this can be t this can be so weird and bad as long as it gives me the placeholders of where something would go. But you never know; something good might come out of that non-thinking writing, and I might keep it. I think I, I think you know, in a sense, uh, would you say you're a perfectionist? Right no, I am an, I'm a little bit of an anti-perfectionist because I don't think anything could ever, there's a great Jack Handy quote, which is everything's, it's eventually 90% as good as it's ever going to be. So you can toil away forever mm. and it's never going to hit this magical 100%. So I'm all for, I like the feeling of completing something. Um, I don't like the feeling of perfecting something. Yeah, that's that's great. I feel because I feel like I think I don't know um, if you feel that way, Sean, but I feel like there's a lot of artists that are like very much perfectionists. And then oh, yeah. it's 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 kind of scary to write something bad or to draw something bad. You know, uh, yeah. there's like a little bit of like that feeling of like, why am I even doing this if it's like trash? Yeah. But I I think it's worth thinking about um, uh, writing a rough draft as being uh, like you do a sketch for a drawing and then you yeah you, you clean it up or you change it or you draw it three times or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, sometimes I'll even write a bad draft and then I open a new blank script and just rewrite with, you know, and look at the other one for reference. So I'm essentially just writing it again, but I at least did it. This one will definitely be better than the other one. That's so, so true. Sheer, I feel sheer, like sheer practice. Yeah, it's man, it's something that I now I got better at doing 
when I'm drawing, I'm not at that stage yet with the writing, but mm -hmm. when I am struggling with a drawing that I've been like noodling with and erasing and, and then I'm just like time to just throw it away, start on a blank canvas. And then that's, and then and these new lines are already so much better because I've learned so much from like that previous drawing that I was yeah. noodling with. And, and sometimes just like going through that process of trashing that drawing, like, like three, five times. And then it's like, Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Like I got it. And I feel with writing, it's the same thing. Even if you rewrite the thing, you still go through that, like, like, um, mental energy of like yeah i remember that this is kind of like this beat that's supposed to happen and yeah. oh actually i can lend it that way whereas before the other words were kind of like keeping you from you know i don't know mm -hmm. uh that's so cool do you uh do, do you have like spec scripts like you know like how writers are like you know they have like their like writing packet and stuff Do yeah I, I have I have other scripts but when I, I also like to if I ever show something some show like here are my scripts I also add comics because oh, I, yeah because uh there's a while where we were looking for more people to hire as a writer on bears and I got really tired of reading scripts because scripts aren't that fun to read mm -hmm. um and I just said, can you just send me a lot of comics so we can, and we'll, I'll have fun reading those and they'll give me a better idea of the voice and, and tastes of the artists and they write because they wrote a comic. So, um, and I like when people send scripts, spec scripts, but also something else, because that just gives me a better idea of what they're about. So I, I send comics and I think that helps. Yeah. I heard that, um, originals are doing better than yeah, specs absolutely yeah. yeah i don't i yeah you're right i don't have spec scripts about i don't have like a bosberger spec script i mm -hmm. i just have original ones um i get a spec script is good it shows that you can adapt to the voice of another show mm. but i feel like if you're confident in the voice of your show that you're running you should be able to get people on board with that if they're a good writer that's just my personal opinion. Okay. Also, spec scripts can be a little, feels like you're just reading fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. a weird. Have you ever have you ever read a spec script that was that was like you know f formatting away from being a an actual fan fiction? Uh, no, I haven't. I've read okay. a plenty. Of, some people like do these kind of almost satirical spec scripts, like the guy who wrote the Seinfeld 9/11 episode. Oh mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then that got tossed around a lot on Twitter and eventually landed him a job on, I think, Family Guy or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, that kind of makes um, sense for the, um, the tone. Yeah. But that was sort of a conceptual spec script. It wasn't necessarily, it was like yeah. a parody of the idea of the spec script. But it's, it still functioned the same way. Yeah. Is there anything that you want to plug on this show? Um, like... I guess we talked about comics o'clock and time trouble, but anything that you want? Uh, yeah, comics o'clock is is a semi monthly show at Heavy Manners Library in Echo Park in Los Angeles. So if you live in Los Angeles, keep an eye out. Follow Heavy Manners Library on Instagram. Uh, I post comics sometimes still on my Instagram, and uh, new episodes are coming of We Baby Bears on Cartoon Network. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those the, are the uh, big three. 
cable, right? Uh, or yeah. also HBO Max. Uh, they, I, I think they dropped the next day on HBO. There's something like that on HBO Max, but yeah, you'll. There's plenty of episodes on HBO Max if you also want to watch those. And we, ba we bear bears. Still a great show. Yeah. It's available to stream. <laughs> well, that's the end of this creative block. Mikey, thanks for being our guest and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. And thanks to our listeners. Follow us on Twitter at CRTVBlock, where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask our guests. Huge thanks to our editor, Clements, for editing the podcast and Malik for helping us produce the show. If you love our show, then support us on Patreon. It helps us pay Malik and Clements for all the great work they do um, on the show. And, you know, like random stuff like Zoom and Drive and just like all these little things. Um, becoming a patron gets you early access to interviews as well as bonus episodes. Click the link in the description of this episode. I've been your host, V. And I was Sean, a.k.a. Lord Spew. Keep being creative and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.